They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect dogs as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Hi everyone and welcome to Doing the Nasty podcast. Don't know why I keep doing that now. It's too late and we are too far gone. Um, this is a podcast looking exclusively at movies that made the infamous video nasty list. This is season two, episode number two. And on season two, episode number two, we are kind of focusing this entire season on 82 movies that were not quite dangerous enough to be prosecuted, but... Uh, were dangerous enough that if the police saw them in your local shop, they would confiscate them and burn them and say, no, bad shop person. Joining me on this entire season, a man who I think at first thought he was doing a good deed, but has realised that no good deed goes unpunished, is of course a phenomenal Mark Ball. How are you doing, Mark? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm questioning a lot of life choices uh, that, that led me to watch... Honeymoon, Horror, and The Love Butcher, which are the two films we'll be talking about tonight. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe this list was a... I, I've, I've turned around on this whole thing. Maybe this list was a good idea. Maybe all these people that made these movies belong in jail. Um, they, every copy of these movies should be fucking burnt. Well, both these two movies are not available in the UK at all. have never been given a UK release. So, thankfully, you have sourced copies of these on YouTube. Um, and thankfully those copies are suitably fucking VHS rips, which is kind of amazing. It makes it, My favourite one was the Love Butcher link that you put up, where it's a three hour copy or something, um, and halfway through the yeah. Love Butcher, it switches to uh, an Asian movie for 30 <laughs> seconds before switching back. I think it's Surf Ninjas. I'm pretty so. sure it's Surf Ninjas in the middle of it. I haven't <laughs> seen that movie in a really long time, but... 90% sure that that's what it is. And then at the, like, yeah, in the middle of that three hours before The Love Butcher starts over again, there's, mm -hmm. like, the end of three or four movies. Yep. I can't remember. There's, like, a Shirley Temple movie, I think, and, oh, like, yeah. the end of something else. Yeah, this is this is a home homebrew dub. <laughs> Amazing. The best way to watch, to be honest, this is probably the most authentic way to watch these movies because a lot of these movies were viewed this way in the UK. This was all like, yeah, like definitely. copies from, from elsewhere. So in a lot of respects, I'm kind of down with that. I kind of think that's cool. You did mention, uh, correctly, we have two movies to discuss. It's Honeymoon Horror and The Love Butcher, aptly selected randomly for February, being the month of love. Um, we have two movies uh. which are all about love, question mark. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. I, I genuinely don't know. It's got to that stage now with these things where... Um, nothing surprises me. Even though we're only two episodes in, I'm starting to get the starting to get the feelings I got about halfway through the first season of, of doing the nasty, where I I just started to fully realise and commit that the majority of what we're going to be watching is just going to be various shades of utter dog shit. Um, although yep. 
although we have some interesting aspects to go into with this one for sure. Before we get to that, uh, Mr. Ball, um, the previous episode we obviously introduced you, we got a little, your, a little bit of your back story and stuff like that. Have you seen anything in the last month that you thought to yourself, you know, if we were doing a, a list right now of, of kind of hypochondriac, you know, knee-jerk banning of movies, have you seen anything in the last month that you're like, I could see this being on a nasty list? Ooh, uh, that's a really good question. In uh, fact, I have to, I've, I have to pull up the old letterbox and see what the fuck I've been watching lately besides the video nasties. Um, <laughs> I'm getting ready to do the uh, the rest of the Purge movies over on Darren's show, The Psycho Semantic Aster, pretty oh, soon. Nice. Um, nice. I think I think if you would have released those a long time ago, people would have been like, I'm surprised there's not more controversy about them now. And the, like, especially the anti-gun people don't really fucking hate these movies. But I think it, like, I don't know, it's definitely, like, the second Purge movie, I think, is one of those great movies that works both ways yeah, uh, politically, I guess. Yeah, I, but I, th- I think most people aren't seeing the political message, if you know what I mean. So I think I, I think that's the beauty of the, the, the kind of Purge movies, even though I'm not a massive fan of them, is that they do yeah. kind of they do kind of shoehorn in quite a lot of uh, political commentary in the guise of a kind of lowbrow ex exploitation movie if you know what i mean because that's essentially what they are they're exploit they are kind of remakes of 70s exploitation feeling movies just done with motion and with a little bit of that subtext flung in there that people just i don't think see nowadays or just like that oh that would be great to live in a time where i could just kill someone <laughs> like or the ver- reverse of that this is the world we live in now man we're all gonna end up but no one's gonna die in the purge the purge will never happen um, but yeah, I think yeah. those movies are. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I can imagine specifically the second one, not the first one. The first one um, is a bit too dull, <laughs> maybe. But that second yeah. one has all the vibes of a kind of late seventies, early eighties kind of exploitation movie. And um, I could imagine it maybe, maybe appearing on a, a list. Maybe, maybe this one, like a, a third tier list, as opposed to one or two. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Um, myself, I'm trying to think. I watched, um, oh yeah, I watched Intruder, um, which I'd never seen before, uh, which is part of yeah, the Scott, Scott Spiegel movie. That's the one, yeah, that's the one. Okay. Um, it has a couple of gnarly kills in there that I imagine would have raised it up. Um, although I will say, not a massive fan. <laughs> like, I thought, I thought the special effects were fucking brilliant and the deaths were really, really cool. But the story was beige AF. Um, well, yeah. So, but yeah, there's there's a one particular kill which involves uh, it's like a a meat slicer, um, <laughs> which was very very reminiscent of uh, City of the Living Dead with the with the power tool. <laughs> so uh, the drill press. Yeah, I was like that. I was like, someone saw that and <laughs> ripped it right the fuck off. Um, I'm, I'm guessing we were watching the uh, the the unrated cut like of yeah. Intruder that's got all the kills put back into it. It, yeah. it was on I think like Shutter or Amazon or something a couple years ago, and I watched it, and it was definitely the R-rated cut that had all that stuff removed, mm. and it felt kind of. I'm like, man, this is almost a really good movie, but like it just has all this shit chopped out of it, and it feels so neutered. Yeah. But like it had it had that very like Scott Spiegel's a guy that worked with Sam Raimi a lot on like the Evil Dead movies and a lot like I think I think he's probably worked on like all of Sam Raimi's movies and with the the Tarantino guys and 
stuff like that. And it's kind of just a fun little slasher movie that takes place in, in a grocery store that they did for super duper cheap. And um, yeah, I, I think it, it, it came out in the States like around the time, like a little, little past the video nasties to where uh, a lot of these slasher movies were coming out. And the MPA was just like, you're, you can't get a theatrical cut with all this shit in it. You got to, you got to give it the chop chop. So um, I think that was the only way that like people could see that movie for a while. I don't think the unrated cut of that came out until. Well, I was gonna say you. It wouldn't surprise me because when you like think of things like the later Friday movies, which are just yep. like chopped within an inch of their life, when all the good shit's gone. Um, yeah, I thought my, my my big thing with Intruder, even that unrated cut, because they've just um, eighty eight films put it out as part of their slasher classics collection, which. For once, I actually had a slasher movie in it, so that was a <laughs> that was a fucking bonus. Um, but yeah, watching it, I was just it, it reminds me very, very quickly in a lot of respects, like Jalo is as well. That there is a time period where you know that whole genre becomes so samey. You know, it's just basically clones of the same movie over and over and over again. And really, the only things that make you remember them is maybe where they're set or a particular kill. It's not performances, you know what I mean? Like, no one's no one's like coming out of it like Intruder like three years later saying, you know that, that two-minute Bruce Campbell cameo as a cop at the end? It really <laughs> makes that move. You know, no one's doing that. They're going, well, there's this fucking amazing, like, you know, machete killer. So these sort of things are what people remember, and I think that's why they become so homogenous when people talk about them. Like... That's why I think specifically with like slasher movies, Jalos are exactly the same, and cannibal movies are exactly the same. Where people are like that, oh yeah, there's this great slasher. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, you know, someone's in a sleeping bag and gets battered off a tree, and everyone's like, oh yeah, yeah, right. Like, you, like th- th- those are the things you tend to remember. You don't remember the names, the directors, or anything else. So, but yeah, watching it, I was like, some of the some of the gnarlier effects were were certainly um, at least at least tier three material for sure um it's a question i'm going to come back to every show so just be, be while you're getting through the month if anything you see is like that oh hello <laughs> like just keep it on that list and bring it here and we will <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i i haven't i haven't really watched this is february is also oscars month so i've been i've been yep. catching up on like trying to see some of that stuff i saw 1917 which i thought was a pretty fucking fantastic movie it's a but really um, good movie yeah yeah, yeah. I'm with the Academy, though. Are, are you with the Academy? I'm like wondering, but like to me, I saw Parasite this year because Parasite was released this year. Parasite to me, had I seen it last year, would have been my favorite movie last year. I thought it was absolutely right. fucking incredible. Like actually, to the point where I was like, that um, this is the perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a five out of five for me. That was the second to last movie I saw at Fantastic Fest last oh, September, nice. which is which is a good thing I saw it there because our local theaters didn't get it. And I, I even asked them, I'm like, are you guys going to do the thing where you usually do where you take the, the small, tiny theater and you put the best picture winner for like a, a limited, you know, one one week run? And my friend that does some of the programming for our local theaters was just like, nah, they're not doing that. And I'm like, that's fucking lame, dude. I mean, I'm sure they're 
it's a little tiny town, little tiny redneck town. So yeah. I'm sure they're like, nobody's going to want to read this fucking Korean movie. <sighs> no. yeah. And that breaks my heart. That, that shit breaks my heart. And uh, that was a lot of the more annoying things to come out of all of the Oscar discourse was uh, the fucking, the hateful little fucking neckbeard American dudes that are all angry that a foreign film won best picture like that affects their fucking lives in any way, shape or form. I mean, yeah. I, 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 once again, I, I think, I don't think it's as bad as the internet plays it out, but the, the problem is everyone has equal footing. So any comment posted online has exactly the same legitimacy as any other comment posted online. Um, and I think that sometimes is, you know, that's why you get those great clickbait articles that say, some people are saying, who are these people? <laughs> and why should I give a fuck? It's one, one guy. Yeah. Yes, that's one guy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Parasite will play even particularly all that well in the UK either because there's a lot of lazy people over here as well that just don't want to read a movie and I think it's it's I mean part of me kind of feels but then there's other part of me that's like right so part of me feels a bit aggrieved by that a bit bummed out but then there's another part of me that now thinks there is now a, a whole new section of people that maybe this is the first time they'll take a punt on it because it won an Oscar and they'll be introduced to the world of Asian cinema. And that to me is like exciting because I don't even I don't even think Parasite's the best South Korean movie, you know what I mean? So I'm like I'm now like, oh, you have so much to get into, like so much to, to watch and so much to see that that's really exciting for me. The same way that something like Train to Busan started getting horror fans a bit more interested and right. you know some South Korean horror cinema and revenge cinema and, and whatnot. This is now the the cause and effect, and they have. So you imagine someone now, like in you know twenty twenty, discover an old boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh man, <laughs> you know, that's that's a movie that's about. got legs. Yeah, that's what's exciting about it. You know what I mean? This is where I'm like, this is awesome. Like, so there's that part of me that's is kind of excited about that. As well, so it, it works both ways. I think yes, there's a lot of people that are intolerant out there. And to be honest with you, if you're not prepared to be the movie, don't fucking watch it. Like, I feel like yeah. it's it's like that. Um, was it you that posted? <laughs> I almost went myself when I read it. The the um, IMDb review from the guy who walked out ten minutes in the lighthouse because it was in black and white. Oh, it was it was Amazon. I, I, was, I, I stole that, but somebody else somebody else posted it in the the two putts group. Yeah, they 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 realized ten minutes into the lighthouse that this is a black and white movie and went and demanded a fucking either a refund or a ticket exchange, and they went and saw Jumanji. And in hindsight, yeah, as somebody pointed out, they're like all of this guy's reviews on Amazon are like this. He's 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 giving people shit it's not like a fucking real thing i think yeah, probably maybe, but man maybe it foolish you think man it, it it got me for sure because that made my fucking piss boil as <laughs> oh i was just like man send them fucking nukes dude just bomb this fucking world into non-existence but uh yeah some, <laughs> oh. some people are like that i don't know i just i i can't have a conversation about movies with people who are like i don't watch black and white movies or i don't watch subtitled movies it's yeah like, <laughs> the, the whole conversation is going to turn into well here's why you fucking should because yeah. you're missing out on like 90% of movies if you're not going to fucking watch that you become, stuff, so. for some reason you're then seen as being an elitist snob yep. because you like cinema from a part of the world that has the largest fucking population how does that make you an elitist snob if anything that makes you the mainstream 
Yeah. <laughs> we're fucking dealing with. Oh, talking about elitist snobs, though, Mark. See, this is what we call a segue in the business. These two movies not being released in the UK, right, make me wonder how they even made the list. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm assuming they must have got some sort of original release, and then it was like, no, these these movies are banned, and then they were taken out of circulation just never to be put back in circulation but that doesn't quite make sense and the reason it doesn't quite make sense is that would be working on this premise an assumption that every copy was destroyed which they aren't so i'm assuming that these are just like names picked off right here's like maybe they were sitting with a giant list of movies um that may have been available from certain distributors and they were just marking off ones that sounded because i can't imagine any police officer in the UK or any judge or anything sitting through honeymoon horror and saying no 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 one can watch this movie like I just can't imagine it so yeah it's it's weird it's weird like I I can see why they've never been re-released but the fact I can own Don't Go in the Woods Alone on Blu-ray and a 2k scan and you know something like Honeymoon Horror hasn't been released um, on a 2k scan somewhere trading off the nasty name as well uh, it's weird to me, you know, it doesn't it doesn't quite add up. It doesn't quite make sense. So, yeah, um, yeah, I I legit couldn't find a whole lot of information about either one of these. I do know that Honeymoon Horror has a pretty that, that that's one of the one of the more well known VHS covers for people that collect this kind of weird shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I I couldn't find a single copy of Honeymoon. Uh, no, correct. I I found one copy of Honeymoon Horror. I think that was on like eBay or something. That was like. Three hundred dollars for a fucking VHS tape of this thing. So this is definitely one of the like m- the more rare ones to come by. So I mean, legit, they might have like destroyed a lot of and, and like like you said, it, it, I don't think it ever really made it to the UK. I don't think it had a theatrical run. Probably this was probably a straight to video kind of deal. And yeah, it was like sold and subsequently banned i think mostly just because of the box art i can't imagine like i i don't know if anybody sat through this piece of shit back then it's <laughs> well, well we'll get into that but yeah yeah the love butcher has had a some sort some sort of a release in the state so on mm. blu-ray i believe he says unsure because uh... in, in my in my uh and my machinations online trying to, to find information on certain things, I did come across a review by Birth, Birth Death's Movies um, mm. on the recent release of The Love Butcher on physical format. So I was like... Uh, it's co- hmm. Code Red is the label. All right, so Code Red only do limited runs anyway, don't they? So... Yeah, these are all you can you can get the Love Butcher for about 30 to 35 bucks, but yeah, I'm pretty, I think this one's out of print. Uh, limited to a thousand, and it released in 2015. So yeah, this is this is a, a while ago. But I can't I can't imagine this movie is that much in demand. I mean, I saw uh, I, I read a few letterbox reviews, and there were some people that were like, "This is a so bad it's good movie." And um, I, I don't know if I agree with that at all. Yeah, I've got, uh, I've got yeah I've got some like I we'll get to it we'll get to it but yeah we'll like, get to it there's, there's there's at least there's there's things of interest in that movie compared to our first movie of the night ladies and gents so what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break just and that's another segue that's two in one show <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so our first movie is Honeymoon Horror. Now, we're going to take a short break, and um, as you heard on the previous episodes, I am now using my, my phone to record right off the Blu-ray. <laughs> Is that, is that what you're doing? Yeah, there's a, there's a, I, I forgot that I owned the second Video Nasties documentary on DVD, right. uh, which does like introductions to all the trailers of all the movies on the list by an academic. So um, yeah, that's what appeared on the previous show, and that's what will appear on this show as well. So you're going to hear someone who is actually educated and has formal qualifications in movie commentary um, give you a small introduction to this movie you're also going to hear the trailer however when we return it's myself and Mark that are going to take a stab no pun intended at <laughs> Honeymoon Horror from 1982 coming right up right after this the director of Honeymoon Horror Harry Preston was also a prolific author he wrote some 90 books most of them ghost written for other authors but he also wrote a number of books himself uh, including a guide to teenage sex called Everything a Teenager Wants to Know About Sex and Should. So Preston had a career as an author as well as a filmmaker. The production history of Honeymoon Horror is somewhat convoluted. Apparently it began shooting in the late 70s, probably around 1978. And in fact, you can tell from looking at the, the actors' costumes. He was two months into editing before the producer ran out of money and the film was taken away from him. Subsequent to that, the producer had another filmmaker shoot some dreadful new scenes uh, starring a genuine county sheriff and his deputy, uh, clearly based on the sheriff and his deputy in Smoking the Bandit, which would have been current around the time the film was made. Preston was clearly trying to make a slasher movie. I mean, essentially, the film is about three couples taking their honeymoon in an isolated motel on an island. Uh, and the film is, is meant to be a serious thriller, and the result is it ruins the tempo of the film. If Preston's uh, experience in making the film wasn't exactly positive, I believe he managed to take his revenge. In 2003, he released a book called Shot in Dallas, which is a fictionalised account of the shooting of Honeymoon Horror. Preston's uh, unusual in the fact that he was happily and unabashedly gay, something that was probably fairly unusual in conservative Texas in the late 1950s. Uh, the reason I mention this is, in fact, when you, when you watch Honeymoon Horror, it's quite funny because all the victims are women and the camera concentrates on the figures of the male characters. In particular, the character of Gary, who's tall, blonde, skinny, smooth, and Preston takes every opportunity to show him either undressed, lying in bed, or wearing just a towel. The reason the film found its way onto the uh, DPP's Section 3 list baffles me. There's not a great deal of violence and what there is would now pass for a 15 without any trouble at all. And frankly, the film is largely tedious. Possibly another reason that it fell foul of the DPP uh, was the cover artwork. Uh, and in fact, it's probably the most noticeable thing about the film. In truth, Honeymoon Horror is really a rather unremarkable film. And to be honest, if it hadn't found its way onto the DPP's Section 3 list, no one would probably remember it at all. The film cost a mere $50,000, is very low budget, is very slow, and without, without its notoriety, there's a good chance to film it have sunk without trace. And welcome back. So you've just heard the trailer for Honeymoon Horror. This movie was released in 1982. It is our third movie to discuss on our look at the 82 movies from the Tier 3 video nasty list. It is directed by Harry Preston, who only directed this movie. <laughs> it was a one and done. And all I'm going to say is, 
good call. Um, it was based on um, based on something that he wrote along with someone else, uh, but he went under the name Diane Kelly. Interesting, or Diane Kelly. Uh, so yeah, pseudonyms. So that says something like, oh, "Don't give me a writer's credit on this son of a bitch." Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? The Alan Smithied that bitch. <laughs> the synopsis is listed on IMDb for the, for this one is that this is fucking amazing. Imagine every new, <laughs> imagine every newlyweds fantasy, a rusted, secluded lovers' paradise, honeymoon island. What starts as a weekend of love turns into a nightmare of blood and terror for three young, innocent couples. What lurks in the shadows of Honeymoon Lodge? Is there a caretaker or perhaps something more fiendish and deadly? Honeymoon Island, where newlyweds join in a holy matrimony, spend their wedding nights screaming in terror. Um, which makes it sound rad as fuck. Mark, yeah. this movie is not rad as fuck. Do you disagree? This movie is, uh, it's, oh, no, this movie's not good. It's not good. It's, oh, it's, it's fucking boring for one thing. It is uh, so I, boring. This is the most fucking ponderous slasher movie I have seen in a long, not, nothing, it's just dialogue. Oh, this was a slog to get through. I had to watch this one and a half times, and on the the second go around, I just gave up in the middle of this. I was like, "Fuck it, I get the point. I don't, I don't want to fucking." Uh... And what's what's weird is like I, I realized on like the second viewing, I was like, "Okay, this movie has some of these people are actual actors. They might be like soap opera trained actors. I can't like find a whole lot of. I think all of these people, Alan Smithied this fucking thing because a lot of them have." No other acting credits or like one or two other piece of shit movies. I know I've seen the uh, the horrible, horrible sheriff and something else, but his only other. Uh, oh wait, Google's doing something weird, pulling up wrong names here. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the fat southern sheriff with the horrible, gross male gaze. Like that's 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 how this movie opens. Like past the. Uh, the I guess it's not really a cold open, but uh, when our the our, well, our the protagonist most amazing, the most amazing opening of all time, <laughs> which like this this came out the year after the burning. This movie totally opens off the bar- <laughs> this like, movie opens kind of like the burning. There's there's more stuff later at the end that's like very the burning, and it's weird that this came out the year after. But yeah, like the uh, there's no protagonist in this movie, like the. The, the opening with the, the wife, like that this movie opens with a wife basically cheating on her husband and the husband comes home and they knock him out and burn him fucking alive. And we get the credits and then the next scene is uh, who I'm going to, I don't know if he has an actual name, so I'm just going to refer to him as Fat Southern Sheriff. Yeah, oh, which, uh, by the way, all, all the Fat Southern Sheriff stuff were added afterwards. Apparently. Really? Yeah, so I'm like according to IMDb, um, the original director's cut of the film exists without sheriff scenes, which were added later by Malcolm Whitman. So That's the movie crazy. didn't have, which in a lot of respects, when I read that earlier on today, I was like, that that makes a lot of sense because all yep. the sheriff stuff looks like it's been shot back to back, like every single scene is because the guy behind him, who I'm going to refer to as even fatter, sillier sheriff. Uh, he is, he's a total like he's a total he's a total kind of he's a South Park 
caricature in yeah. the background. Like the two of them are in exactly the same position. The camera does not move for the majority of their scenes, which looks like he's been given a script to dialogue, one day to shoot, and they've just went, go, scene one, scene two, scene three, and spliced them in. And that did not surprise me when reading that. Plus, it doesn't make any... The sheriff stuff makes zero impact in this movie, if you know nope. it. Makes zero impact at all. Yeah, that makes complete sense now that you're telling me that because yeah, the, so the sheriff stuff has no, no fucking consequence on the rest of the story. They they don't appear in the same scenes as any of the rest of the characters. It's, it feels like two shitty movies crammed together. And yeah, that's it's weird. Like if you took all the sheriff stuff out, this movie would be like forty five minutes long. It's yeah. which feels like fucking five hours basically. But. Uh, like yeah, it's, it's, this movie's. I think it's close to two hours long, and it feels like about a hundred hours long. Oh, yeah, it's so 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 long, so long. This movie, this movie literally stops at a certain point in one of the sheriff scenes, and he just scratches his ass at the camera. That's 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 what we're dealing with here, and like a lot of the the rest of it with the couples at the honeymoon resort is like. So it's it's so soap opera y and all like, the soap opera stuff. It's kind as cringy as well to watch because right I, I will forgive it as opening, right? Even though it's dumber than a bag of rocks. This woman's <laughs> gonna she's gonna cheat on her husband. Like her husband's out the door two seconds. Like he hasn't got as far as like his boat is like it's down at the dock, which isn't that far. It's about it was about seven strides from his front door he's about two strides into that journey and she's already at the front door of the neighbour who she's having the affair with and then this dude's like oh I forgot my smokes I'm going to come back into the house and then I'm going to shout on my wife who clearly can't hear me while I'm in there and then I'm going to pad out for a bit of time and then I'm going to walk back to my boat and I'm going to hear some giggling that sounds like my my wife, and he's gonna walk up there, and he walks in on them, and you're like, it's like a it's like a horrible fight scene, which is sped up. So Benny Hill music's playing in the background. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, she hits him with a bottle, which knocks over a lamp, which starts to burn him, and she's very much like, you know, let him burn, and we're like, but why? Because he, he feels aggrieved that he cheated on him, and that's like the setup, and then the the rest of this movie tries to play off as if we should feel sympathetic to her. Yeah, which you don't. Fucking burned your husband alive because he's trying to defend his honour. And, like, none of the couple... It's it's so much much soap opera dialogue in this movie and kills that happen in a way which can only be described as the killer comes in, someone gets knocked over, camera sets to where that person is, and they're already bloody. So you see no real kind of penetration no real stabbing or anything like that it's all kind of after effect apart from one scene where someone is on the ground and they get tapped with the weapon I'm going to use that <laughs> word tap because that's what it is and yep. then they pull it back and then it holds for about four seconds before a little spot of blood comes out it's just really it's poorly and interestingly enough I mentioned earlier on uh, don't go in the woods alone that's what I kept thinking about when I watched this movie although Don't Go in the Woods Alone at least has one or two interesting kills but it kind of felt like the same the same oeuvre the same auteur nature of shit cinema was used here as well it's like there's no 
there's no real cinematography. It's all complete static shots. It, it, you know, it's there's there's no flair here. It's all canned sound effects as well. So a door opens, and then we've got crickets. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> or we're just going to play the same nausey and fucking you know, probably free to use open source score over and over again. And there's just a lot of like kind of dramatical pauses by characters delivering shit dialogue that I couldn't give a fuck about. Yep. And yeah, and like it just continues on. You're right. We're, we're, there's no like with the with the burning, which like, I I love the fucking burning. Um, yeah, you've at least got that kind of. At least you're invested with the characters, and at least you are aware of when crops is going to strike. This is a guy walking around with a pair of shitty oven gloves on like pretending he's <laughs> fucking burnt <laughs> with, with, with like an axe in his hand going to kill me. it's just pish um, and it just went I, I, this movie is just over an hour and a half long Mark oh and, Jesus I could have swore it was fucking two hours hour and a half long and this felt like it went on forever and every time I was like that right check the watch no, that's not right. That's not 30 minutes? No. And then I click it, I go, oh, that's, yeah, still an hour to go. Yay. And it, both these movies, actually, we're going to get to that, have stupid endings. Like, really, just shit endings. Um, and Honeymoon Horror has the most banal, most beige slasher ending I have seen in a long time. And I, I, I just, I could, I, yeah. I, I, I could not give less of a fuck about this movie at all. Um, I, I will say, at least Invasion of the Blood Farmers has a weird kind of campy charm about it. Like, some of the acting is fucking, like, almost pantomime-esque. That right. At least I could, like, laugh at some of that. Like, I, I told you, I, giggled, I could not stop laughing at some of the pagan scenes and some of the scenes with the blood, like fucking flying at the top of a jar that made me laugh honeymoon horror has none of that like none of that at all it just it just trundles along at a slow fucking pace until credits and to be honest with you the the biggest kind of standout thing for me was as soon as the movie finished i realized that out with the opening and maybe one or two scenes with the sheriffs i was really struggling to remember much about what i'd seen and like by by came by because I watched it last night. By about lunchtime this morning, I was struggling. I, I actually had to sit down and really think about what I'd seen in the movie because it's just so bland that it just doesn't stick. Yeah, it's 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 deadly boring, and a lot of the parts that like actually got my attention in this just felt really mean-spirited and just misogynistic and fucking these are these are both like i have a serious questions about uh how the directors of both of these movies uh feel about women that's a, that's an old mystery science theater joke they're like do you think a lot of guys that make movies have issues with women and i'm pretty sure they were watching something just like honeymoon horror where like it does legitimately feel like this movie hates its audience, mm. hates women, mm. is just, like, angry for all the wrong reasons, and is just just nauseating to fucking get through. I was I was bored and nauseated through a lot of both of these fucking movies. Yeah. And, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people 
rented this and thought this movie was going to be badass based on the cover art and the description on the box. And then, yeah, man, I had to, I had to try like the first time I watched this, I had to try like three times to get all the way through it. And I would just give up and fucking uh, go do something else for a while and come back to it. And I, I was the same. I was, I got home last night. I was like, I don't remember a fucking thing from this movie. <laughs> I remember a fucking half-assed Cropsy ripoff that comes at the end, and that's about fucking it. Like, other than that, I didn't really... I remember the gross Southern Sheriff, and that was pretty much it. Like, the, this this movie is all filler. It's, it's fucking styrofoam, the whole fucking movie. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, can't, can't recommend this one. It's, it's, it's not fucking good, and that, that, that's giving it, uh, more credit than it deserves i think honestly yeah there's the thing that got me is like this is it's released in 1982 and even by 1982 things were on the the slide for slasher movies would already kind of like 1981 is considered by a lot of people the peak in terms of just the volume of movies that are coming out that are of a good quality and believe it or not by 82 83 we're still getting a huge volume of them, but people just aren't as rabidly interested as they were like the year before. And what was interesting about this one is like, I, I, I love context. I like contextualizing things to see, you know, what other movies of similar ilks are released in the same year. Uh, in the same year as this, you have Alone in the Dark, which I think is a great little slasher movie with some aging kind of former A-list stars you've got like Jack Palance and Donald Pleasance and stuff like that in that movie and it's you know it's a ton of fun so but it's I mean it's not a, it's not a phenomenal movie it's just they're trying different things or you know moving <laughs> they're moving things out a little bit uh, you've got the you've got things like the dorm that drip blood which once again I mean I mean that's what it is Friday the 13th part 3 which is in 3D because this is we're gimmicking these movies up now to try and get people to check them out you have um, <laughs> Humongous, which our buddy Undead got me watching for the first time not that long ago. And it's a fucking great little movie. But, you, you know, there's that. Like, the last horror film comes out the same year as this. So that was the movie we spoke about last month. Um, right. You've got Filchi doing a little bit of, of his kind of sleazy slasher ripoff stuff with Manhattan Baby. So, you, you know, you've got that that level. Pieces is out this year. Um you know, the, the Slayer, which is, you know, a, about as low fare slasher trash as you're ever going to see. And all these movies, every single one of them, even Visiting Hours, which is like exploitation slasher movie. All these movies, infinitely better than Honeymoon Horror. Like, Honeymoon Horror is just, it's, it's, it cynically feels like, if someone had told me this was a way to funnel money for the Mafia, I would totally believe it. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? oh yeah <laughs> it doesn't feel like someone's money trying laundering like, front yeah like totally trying to like funnel some like tax tax exempt money through something because there doesn't appear to be any passion in the project from anyone involved in it and I think that's the problem like the cinematog the cinematography is so bland and so flat there's no like there's no one like behind the camera going right I'm going to do it at least going to make some interesting shots there's nothing like that. The actors all feel like they're maybe from local kind of theatre companies that are you right. know, there for the for, for the week doing what they need to do. Um, there's no budget for special effects, so you don't get them. And it, it's pieced together in a way which just feels 
flat. There's that's that's what's lacking in the movie. I will sit through a shitty slasher movie if I can feel the passion for making a movie in it, and none of that exists in honeymoon horror. And as a result of it, it's just banal. It's a completely banal experience, front to back. So, yep. Right. Anything else you want to say about this piece of shit? <laughs> Fuck this fucking movie. Right, that was um, that was uh, Honeymoon Horror. As you know, we do a kind of unique style of grading over here. There are four different grades a movie can get. Let me quantify them because we are early back in a brand new season. Um, you have the following options when it comes to this. You have the movie does hard time, which is the maximum grade we can give a movie. That means that this movie contains content that we can imagine through the context or lens of a censor back in the day who would be like, holy shit, we need to make major cuts and people should, you know, with an unsteady constitution should avoid. The grade beneath that is, you know, a bit of, a bit of community service, you know what I mean? You, you've, you know you, you, you know you done fucked up. Uh, you put some things in that movie that might be a bit, you know, insensitive or may have an effect on people with a slightly more sensitive constitution. Beneath that, we have the old slap on the wrists. That's like, like you're a little bit cheeky, aren't you? You're having a little bit of fun, and it's kind of almost edging into kind of naughty territory, but you're, you're you're managing to keep it relatively clean. And then there's a good old case dismissed. Case dismissed is there is absolutely nothing in this movie that would merit any sort of censorship. I am going to say that this is a case dismissed, because even with the mild nudity that you get, and it isn't even full frontal, um, this movie is just boring. Um, so yeah, it's a slap on, it's not a slap on the wrist, it's a case dismissed from this guy. Mark Ball, what are you giving this movie? Uh, yeah, I'm tempted to give this community services because it was fucking so boring and <laughs> about fucking killed me, but... Um... Yeah, and it's odd that this movie's called Honeymoon Horror, and the, yeah, if if there was a lot of like TNA fucking going on in this movie, I don't remember it, and it was so fucking badly done and uninteresting that like it just flew right past me. So. Me too. You could get away with a lot of bush in a movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, and like like last week or last show with the the last horror film, that movie's full of fucking nudity and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. They could have at least done that, and this movie would have had like something going for it, but they they couldn't even be bothered to do that. So, yeah, yeah, this this is probably a case dismissed. Yeah, a slasher movie without T and A is a slasher movie that I won't watch from this time period because it's (laughs) it's unlikely to have much else. Let's be honest, like The Burning and Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street, those movies are weird little flukes in that they contain future stars of cinema. You know what I mean? Or like actor, like one actor is going to, well, in the case of The Burning, two or three actors that are going to go off and do much bigger things, become names in cinema uh, for right reasons or for wrong reasons. Um, and then you sit down and you watch this and it just didn't even have that. Fuck this movie. Right. Yep. <laughs> Get out of my courtroom. <laughs> right, we are going to take a short break. When we come back, it's time to discuss the love picture. Don't know why I can't, like, that's how I've been describing it to anyone that will listen to it, which is no one. <laughs> like, what were you watching this weekend? The love picture. And I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, I don't know, because I'm still talking like this. And I don't know. I don't know. That seemed funnier in my head, and it isn't. Must be funnier. Um, we're going to be discussing that movie. As always, though, we're going to take a short break. You're going to hear um, some more of that 
learned discussion where we're talking about by some academic who maybe will say this is a good move. We're going to find out. We're going to find out what they say anyway. You're going to hear the trailer as well. When we come back, it is The Love Butcher from 1975. Myself and Mark Ball coming right back right after this. So uh, we have here The Love Butcher on Intervision, one of the earliest tapes to come out in this country. This is one of the first wave of videos from a, a company who boasts that they already had over 200 titles. So Intervision were all over the shops at the time and with a hell of a lot of really collectible titles uh, on, the, on their catalogue. The Love Butcher, okay, well, I mean, you can tell immediately why that one got into trouble, just from the title. And it also uh, presents other difficulties for the film as well. I, I saw this back in the 80s when I was renting out, you know, all the, the usual suspects, Driller Killer and Cannibal Holocaust and all those things. And of course, you pick up the love butcher and think, hmm, well, that sounds outrageous. Uh, it immediately sets your mind racing with the possibilities because you think it's going to be basically a kind of a sex and horror uh, sort of uh, slaughter film and probably extremely tasteless. Uh, it's, it's really a, quite a different film. It's actually more of a satire in a lot of ways. Um, there is a bit of violence. I mean, somebody gets a, you know, somebody gets a garden fork through their chest quite early on, which is always kind of nice. It doesn't have that kind of, you know, level of gynecological butchery, which the title seems to be suggesting it's going to offer. Uh, it's got nothing along those lines, really. It's actually about a, a very nervous, kind of gimpish sort of guy, this guy who's a gardener, who uh, seems to have all the disadvantages, you know, jam jar glasses, going bald, sort of a withered arm, I think, and generally a kind of a, the last guy to get laid. But he has an alter ego, and his alter ego is an arrogant, confident, swanky sort of Lothario who sees himself as God's gift to women. And if anyone is mean to the gimp side of his persona, uh, then he returns and visits them later in his Lothario posture. In the course of telling this story, a lot of the fun lies in the dialogue, because the Lothario half of the character, the lead character, has some great lines. Um, it's that kind of level of sexual paranoia coupled with the kind of masculine arrogance. And there are just some very, very quotable lines in the film. But anyway, he cut his version of the film together, showed it to the investors, and, and, uh, and everyone else thought it was terrible uh, and unsellable. Mr. Angel didn't take very kindly to this and said, well, that's the film. You know, if you don't like it, I'm out of here. Uh, Wash his hands of the project. Fortunately, the director of photography was Don Jones, who we've already encountered in relation to Abducted or Schoolgirls in Chains. When you do get down into some of the attack scenes, you are again dealing with uh, a man menacing, terrorising and uh, then murdering women. It's not super grisly and it's not super uh, explicit in terms of sexual um, material either, but it does have some tension and some... It is quite unnerving at times. I mean, sort of like, given that there is this strange slippage in the film between a kind of a satirical feeling and a horror uh, uh, feel, it perhaps unnerves viewers because you're never quite sure how to take it. And then when it does veer into, into pure horror, I think perhaps that just kind of uproots people's sense of security. Uh, you can't just find it funny. It, it is actually quite unpleasant at times as well. But it's not among the more explicit films. It's just maybe a slightly queasy feel that the film has as opposed to any major scenes that are particularly shocking. There's been six murders in this part of the city, all similar. What a we're looking for a psychotic killer, Russell, and psychotic killers don't necessarily all act the same. But of course. Enough butcher. This is weird. Not just sick. 
but a real weirdo. <laughs> it's nymphs like you that are Caleb killers. Caleb? You emasculate a man with your bottomless body pits. You leave him empty and unfulfilled. Wrong book? Nothing. That can't be fixed. You drain him like a sewer into a cesspool. Say, what are you, some kind of cuckoo or something? <laughs> you can't go on doing those terrible things, Les. You're evil. You're gonna destroy us both. I can and I will! Women love me. I'm not like you. You're ugly, but I am handsome and the right. She shall love me, Caleb, as much as she hated you. I love, total love. I am Lester, and I am alive. Welcome back. So you just heard the trailer for The Love Butcher from 1975. This is directed by Don Jones and Mikkel Angel, which, all right, um, if you insist. Um, <laughs> Mikkel Angel apparently co-wrote this with a guy who's called James Tannenbaum uh, under the pseudonym Jim Evergreen. Because no one can go with their own name. I don't get this. This is a lot of fun. <laughs> um, yeah, it really, really is annoying me now. Uh, the synopsis for this one is The Twisted Tale of Caleb and His Alter Ego, Lester. After being pushed around too far, Caleb transforms into Lester and returns to those who have wronged him. Which is kind of right, but also kind of fucking wrong. Um, right, let me... Let me let me state my case for this one, Marble. Right. <laughs> okay. And then, and then you you may retort. I think there's certain aspects of the Love Butcher that are actually surprisingly well done and really interesting for the time period, wrapped up in a movie which isn't good. Right. <laughs> like that's it's like it's it's almost like bubble wrap. The bubble wrap is shit movie. Uh, but the package inside, which is very, very small, with a huge amount of bubble wrap around it, is kind of interesting. And the kind of interesting aspect is specifically the Caleb character, who is played by James Lemp. Um, he is pulling off two performances which are completely different, and two extremes of like almost like this kind of cartoonish caricature of one the kind of bumbling slow kind of you know unloved rednecky sort of simpleton character and then on the other side the kind of almost fabio-esque 70s macho kind of love icon you know the, the almost the kind of burt lancaster kind of performance on the other side, but incredibly, kind of, incredibly chauvinistic um, and sexist, right? And he's playing both of those at different extremes, and both performances, I think, weirdly work in this movie, like, really, really, really well, because they are not 
even remotely alike. And I find that really interesting, right? I, I, some of the, the scenes specifically with Caleb talking to the wig on the dummy, um, you know, who's supposed to be Lester. It's how he might It's basically Psycho. It's like a, like a rip-off of Psycho. Um, that stuff I found really, really, really interesting. And Caleb kind of bumbling around outside doing shit gardening. Um, why people are hiring this guy, I don't understand. <laughs> like, he's just like... The why one. are they all so mean to him? I don't... That's what I don't understand. Yeah, they're, they're, I guess like, he gives them the creeps or something. But yeah, I, but like, why do you so hire him then? Like, yeah, right? Like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hire the sex pest gardener to do my garden <laughs> and then shout at him. I don't, I don't... I don't get it. I really, really, really don't get it. It's like... It's like it's like hiring a peeping Tom to wash your windows. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep, this is going to turn out well. Yeah, it's, I, I just, I don't get that aspect. But on the, the counterpoint of that, the, the Lester character, I find, like, really, really interesting as a kind of antagonist in the movie because he has a weird charm about him which at least gets his foot in the door. And then from that, there's a complete disconnect with with his sanity and reality. Specifically when you see, like, how he justifies certain things through flashback sequences, which I found was really interesting. Everything else about this movie, though, is terrible. And this is another movie that has awful cops, a reporter subplot that goes nowhere. Like, absolutely nowhere. Like, the, the, the introduction to the main police guy is kind of amazing because he just shouts constantly. He's so angry with everyone, like, all the time. Yeah, you just get your camera out of here, you son of a bitch. You know, he's just like, like, from the moment we meet him, this guy is angry, and I can only assume it's because his wife let him walk out the door in a pink suit. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's literally, it's, like, you know what I mean? It just did not make sense. Um, and like I say, the reporter who is trying to delve into this series of serial killing, which the police, yeah, and none of that for stuff, some reason, yeah, none of it goes fucking anywhere at all. And it's like, it's once again, it's like someone started off wanting to make a movie, and then halfway through it realised that it's just easier to make the other movie, um, and like we'll just keep that stuff in. But I, I genuinely think, and I'm not just saying this, the, the stuff with James Lemp's character playing the dual role of Caleb and Lester is, I mean, it's not the most original. It, like, let's put it this way, um, if you've seen Psycho, um, you know, it, this is Norman Bates, essentially, but he's got his brother as his, his other persona. Um, it's not the most unique thing, but I think it's done well. I actually think the James Lemp's guy fully commits to both roles in a way which makes him kind of endearing to me in his performance. It's just the rest of this movie is is so... but It's unbefitting his performance. And then I started thinking, this is a question I asked myself, and then I'm going to turn this over to you, Mark, is then, if the movie was better, would I still feel the same way about the performance? Or is the fact that the movie is so poor that it elevates his performance? And I can't quite work that out. I can't quite think of the quality just over 
the story and the acting and just the like, cinematography and stuff was a bit, was of a better standard if James Lynch's performance would still be as good or if it's that way where you park your shitty car beside an even shittier car and then all of a sudden your car looks less shitty. Um, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. What did you think of The Love Butcher? Uh, so real, real quick before I forget this, I, I, I noticed something with this, this movie in particular, um, this movie was shot in fucking scope. So like super widescreen mm-hmm. and the version that we watched on YouTube was definitely a shitty VHS rip <laughs> that's been formatted into full frame. Yep. So I think we may have given invasion of the blood farmers a little bit of a hard time as far as the cinematography <laughs> cinematography goes for the same reasons which is that these are going to be weirdly cropped sometimes especially if you're watching fucking third generation bootlegs of these on fucking youtube yeah. so th- there, there's definitely whole sections of this movie where like you're, you're supposed to be looking at like a two shot and you can't see the person talking kind of deal like they just fucked up the transfer of it basically i i thought i'd get that out of the way in case like before somebody rips on us for being like oh this movie's shot fucking in scope it is like super it's probably a beautiful fucking blu-ray of this that code red put out um but as far as how i feel about this movie i will uh, i i'll definitely agree that a lot of most of the actors in this, I think, went in and tried their ass off, especially the guy that plays Lester slash Caleb. Um, he's he especially, I think, like just comes into this thing and chews the scenery like a fucking lawnmower. Um, <laughs> he's 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 acting his ass off and then some. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I I personally find this movie fucking nauseating. Um, this is, uh, everybody tried really hard to make a good movie, but, but the movie that they're making it to me feels like incel rape fantasy, basically. Oh it's, yeah, that is, character uh, this is, is like... definitely, he had done that, that, when he gets in the room with the, the beer kind of masculine chest and the the hairpiece which is kind of fucking amazing mark let's be honest um, <laughs> let's, let's not shortchange that that is that is a 2p and a half right um when he gets in there and do it like his his comments with the woman about how they will please him and all that like all that stuff is yes like th- seen through today's eyes through 2020 eyes is the word problematic is used sometimes <laughs> yeah it's, it's very it's, problematic it's it's fucking ugly and yeah it feels very much like peering into like the really ugly side of humanity mm. and i didn't find a lot of it entertaining in the slightest i've found a lot of it just made my fucking stomach turn basically yeah. like I, I don't know i don't know and like especially Caleb's whole appearance, he's basically like a fucking hillbilly Larry David looking guy. And he he, he, he looks like he's <laughs> like, he, he looks like he's like in a, like he bought a, like a bank robber disguise from a fucking magic shop, kind of. <laughs> like it's, it's not convincing whatsoever. And like it makes it like it, it, it's i don't know like yeah they, they got a lot of mileage out of that 12 dollar kmart wig that he wears throughout oh, this thing and God, yeah, he, he, he 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 he's acting his ass off and like yeah he gets to basically like i, I think he had a lot of fun 
doing this movie because he does get to play like about five different characters and i i definitely laughed my ass off when he comes back to the same house like after he gets rejected the one time by the girl that won't sleep with him and he decides not to kill him and comes back as a fucking different character he's like hey i know you you had a mustache last time (laughs) he's just like you you want the plumbing fixed or not and i'm just like oh my god this fucking movie oh but yeah a lot of this like especially a lot of the horror stuff in this just like actively pissed me off and made me like uh, i don't know this 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 goes this goes a little bit beyond so bad it's good kind of and it just like veers into i hate this movie kind of yeah i mean i don't i like i don't think it's a good movie at all and i think when people are saying it's so bad it's good i i think on i think you can see a performance is like so over the top it's interesting but it's still not a great performance you know what i mean it's like you see it's or like i said at the beginning i feel like it's, it's these exaggerated kind of almost cartoonish caricatures of two different kind of archetypes and kind of exploitation and horror cinema of the 70s like this is 75 so we are what we are let's do the math here we are a, a year removed from texas chainsaw massacre right right so or a year and a bit removed from texas chainsaw massacre so you know the the kind of hillbilly-esque kind of dumb you know representation with the thick glasses and the way he talks and all the rest kind of feels like a bit of that and then on the other side the the toupee wearing fucking sex demon that is Lester is the is the other side of that it's that idea of 70s kind of almost toxic masculinity um, so that they are like yeah. these extreme caricatures which makes sense because Caleb himself doesn't have a personality you know what I mean he's 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 two characters trapped in an empty vessel so to speak um and it, i mean none of it makes sense at all like if he needs glasses as thick as that when it becomes lester why does he not need glasses um you know how does he yeah. see how does he fix his teeth yeah it's just like like there's so much and if it was the case that the movie was trying to cycle you you know, right through to like the last 10 minutes when you realise, and sorry for a spoiler for Cycle, which came out in 1960, that Norman's actually his dead mother. You know what I mean? If it was trying to do that, that's fine. But very quickly in this movie, you realise that Lester is a dummy with a toupee. Um, so, and it is him that's doing it. This movie doesn't try and hide that at all. Yeah. So I don't understand the, I don't understand the mechanism there unless... They just didn't care, which I kind of feel they didn't. So yeah, I don't think this is like a so bad as good. I like I see the the interesting aspect for me is that performance, but the movie itself is not good. Um, even if you take the the fact that this is a VHS rip into account, which and like we mentioned at the start here, in the middle of this on YouTube, it will change to another movie and then change back. Um, <laughs> which is my favourite thing that's ever fucking happened, by the way, I always work myself. <laughs> um, if you take that out of circulation in the commentary, and the, the review of this one, it is still very much a uh, kind of paint-by-numbers, kind of schlocky exploitation movie from the mid-70s. And the only remarkable thing about this is it isn't even all that remarkable is that the choice to 
put this guy in and this guy clearly like you see acting his ass off whether or not the performance is great but acting his ass off in that central performance is the only thing that is worth talking about when this movie finishes i think it's also why when you google this movie all you see is pictures of caleb at a window like <laughs> these thick glasses yeah around. that is literally it because that is the only talking point about this movie the police the end of this movie as well is such a yeah, this is kind of like uh, the police come up on him and then they realise that it's him that's done all the killings. He's like, no, it's my brother. My brother killed all these people. Like, we need to, you know, arrest you. He's like, no, no, but I killed my brother though. And they're like, you killed your brother? And they're like, well, yes, I do. And then I swear to God, this movie then rolls credits as if it's fucking police squad or the naked gun. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, <laughs> it does, honestly. It's, it's always to the point where they all freeze and they're smiling and there's canned laughter in the background. That's how the movie finishes. And I was just like, okay. It's Yeah, it's like we just sat for like two hours watching this dude try and fucking rape women and kill them for again, like not fucking a, not a two hour movie, Mark. This is an hour this is under an hour and a half. This is an hour and twenty-five. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Even with the thirty seconds of Surf Ninja's ass added to the middle of it. Yep. It's um, just it's just yeah, it's not a, the thing is, this one is not a good movie. It's interesting in that like I see from from checking this movie out, it gives me another kind of string in the bow when it comes to talk about 70s exploitation cinema. It's got a weird kind of almost proto-slasher quality about it as well, which I find quite interesting. 75, so we're kind of we're, we're kind of getting these movies that are ebbing towards that way without necessarily being full of one genre or the other. But there's certainly some templates in here. Um, and at least with the kills you're getting, at least this movie has a clear and present villain who you don't yeah. like. And I'll give it that. At least they went down that that road and gave you that. They don't give you much explanation as to why he's like that, really. They are satisfying in any any way, shape, or form. But out with that, it's not a good movie. I mean, this is like it was two movies this week which I just felt like lacked. At least this one had a performance that I th- thought was interesting, but the rest of it feels very sigh. Hashtag sigh. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, which wasn't great. So. It's it's definitely a step above honey honeymoon horror because oh, yeah. at least this this movie made me feel something. Unfortunately, what it made me feel was fucking disgust <laughs> and annoyed through a lot of it. But like, and like, yeah, a, a lot of the violence I feel like in this is. Uh, surprisingly brutal and almost clashes with a lot of the rest of the tone of this where it's trying to be real fucking goofy and can we talk about the music in this fucking thing oh, for the a music second is all over the fucking place all over the a place. lot of it's a lot of it's scored like a looney tunes cartoon mm-hmm. completely inexplicably there's lots of lots of it sounds like a lot of like library needle drop type of stuff you get some classical it's... music that gets played in here as well or renditions of classical songs which are like definitely you know library fodder you, know, you can get like legitimate access to this without having to pay beethoven for anything you know <laughs> yeah well and, and there's a little bit of it that i think like yeah they've they've added they knew one guy with one synthesizer <laughs> and they're like can you just add like a little bit to this like piece of library music to kind of make it sound like it's a little bit original and they tried to do a little bit of that but like it's not it's not consistent yeah. at all 
and yeah a lot a lot of these needle drops are just like why the fuck would you put this like boing wah, wah, kind of fucking goofy cartoon sound effect type of scoring to this thing and it's just like yeah, it's kind of it, productive to any any sort of tension you're trying to build up in this movie yeah it just it, it clashes and it feels it feels like they didn't know if they wanted to make this a brutal slasher movie or if they wanted to make this a goofy fucking like pre-jim varney fucking if Ernest was a rapist kind of fucking movie like i don't i just i don't understand what the fuck they were going for uh, you know, I'll just let you know if Ernest was a rapist is the name of my side rap project. Uh, <laughs> we've, got, we've got a rap core album coming out next year, so watch it. Oh, no. Uh, also, also, if you were a filmmaker in the mid-70s and didn't have at least one friend that played synthesizer, you're not a real filmmaker. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that was the rule. <laughs> like, uh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. Do you have a friend that plays a synthesizer? No, uh, no, no, I don't. You're not a filmmaker then. Fuck off. Um, I, I think, like, uh, col- college electric, like, uh, college electricians and people that were into, into building stuff, like, there, there was always one big-ass fucking probably modular synthesizer at, like, every university, probably, that one guy knew how to fucking... Yeah turn on and make any kind of noise out of it and like that, that's that's the score for a lot of these early like early 80s late 70s movies yeah it's like um, there's always someone that has like a reclaim moog somewhere lying around the place also it's worth saying yeah. reclaim moog is the name of my synth project <laughs> next year so keep an eye out for that one as well um yeah so yeah i, I mean when it comes to greeting this one Weirdly enough, I'm the same. This is like a this is a slap on the wrist. There's nothing in here again. I, I think it's specifically what you're talking about. Even though I think a couple of the kill scenes, albeit a bit stalky and jittery, are not you know are maybe a bit more violent um, and the camera a bit more lingering than they were in Honeymoon Horror. The pure use of sound effects in here and and the cartoonish nature of it completely diffuses the whole build up of any death in this movie at all, so much so that it, it kind of feels like a really bad kind of, you know, America's home videos cut wheel. <laughs> like, it just, like, it, it lacks any kind of, it lacks any punch from it. Because, like, a lot of these movies, you've got to remember, especially the Corman stuff, which we now look back with fondness, a lot of Corman movies were purely made to finance the next movie. With no yep. care, love, and consideration about the audience or what was in them, it was what be, gets me to make the next movie to make my business continue. Yeah, and he'd be cranking them out like five a year. Of so he yeah, would. yeah, I, yeah, I don't so... think even he thought like people would still be thinking about stuff like Death Race, Death Race two thousand, oh, which I'm sure not. they shot shot in three weeks, probably. Yeah, of course not. So like to me, watching both these movies, specifically the Love Butcher, because it's seventy five. Um, I just don't think, like, I don't think they were fully aware of what they were doing and how wrong that is, just from, yeah. not only just from the time period, but just I don't think they expected a mainstream audience to see this at all. Um, so as a result, you can do whatever you want, <laughs> really, because it's probably going to play on that CD porn theatre um, on the edge of town. <laughs> so, fuck it. Um, so yeah, like, I mean... 
no, but I'm querying your grade. I'm just saying that. It's, I'm not. It's, I'm not gonna really give it a hard time. Like in in reality, yeah, this is probably it. This probably deserves a little bit of community service, but uh, I got a bad feeling we're gonna get to this much much worse. So shit. much worse. Like uh. there's some titles <laughs> on this one that are begging me to hate them. Like, uh. They're sitting there going, "That yes, Duncan, we know that you read this title." We know that you got a shiver down your spine because you realize this movie's <laughs> going to be utter fucking hot trash. And yes, we are waiting for the week for you to watch us. Um, they know. They know. They fucking know, Mark. Fucking <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what I'm genuinely excited about, um, and that is closing this show. <laughs> like, because these are not good movies at all. And that was another segue. Fucking hat trick. Three for three. Jesus. I know. Just dropping it like it's hot. Um, we're going to take a very, very short break. You're going to hear a promo for a show that I actually quite like. And when we return, we are closing out the show and telling you what is coming up next month. And to say I am excited is a fucking understatement. We're going to be coming right back to do it right after this. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new podcast cure-all. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation, we have Italian horror, we have zombies, we have slashers, we have crime films, we have spaghetti westerns, we even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, Dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. And you've been listening to Doing the Nasty. And this has been Season 2, Episode 2, looking at The Love Butcher from 1975 and a little movie... Little movie called Honeymoon Horror from 1982. Mark Ball, let me tell you how excited I am for episode number three, which will feature two movies I know very, very well, and oh, I'm so excited. Uh, so on the next episode, which will be coming at the end of March, just to get you through into spring, uh, we are going to be discussing The Hills Have Eyes, Yes. A little bit of early craving for you. And a movie called Mark of the Devil. um, Which, if you've never seen before, strap yourself in. Mark of the Devil is fucking nuts. Um, Sounds super familiar. I don't know if I've seen it or not. It's German. (laughs) Um, And it came out the year after Witchfinder General. And the director of Witchfinder General was asked to come and do the movie, and he committed suicide before making it. So, oh um, wow, yeah. Uh, so it's got <laughs> it's got it's got a, a phenomenal performance by Herbert Lom in it as well, who is at his peak, Herbert Lom before he was doing like Pink Panther shit and all the rest. So okay, yeah, that's that's the movies we're going to be doing um, in a month's time, and both of them, <laughs> and I'm not even joking, both of them have stuff well you know House of Eyes like Mark of the Devil has some gnarly fucking shit in it like some real like proper German witch torture um in there so yeah if you if you don't like seeing women harmed uh, maybe jump next week's episode or next month's episode <laughs> 
because it's a whole fucking lot of it. Uh, and we will have a conversation about who looks more weird. The main kind of uh, executioner dude from Mark of the Devil or Michael Berryman. Because both, both the actors look a bit like they've been left out in the sun too long. That's bad. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I've met Michael Berryman. He's one of the nicest fucking people you'd ever meet. And he's smart as hell. I'm a bad guy. <laughs> you're, you're a bad man, Duncan. I see him and all I can think about is California Raisin. I don't know why. <laughs> um, I'm going to hell for that. Well, he's, he, I think he's a good sport about it. I mean, he's made a career off of being the weird-looking guy in movies. So, he, I mean, he's got and he's got to play some fucking great shit. Like, yeah, we'll, which we'll talk about next week. But, well, yeah. One of my I'm, favorites, one of my favorite Michael Berryman performances in, is in The House of Eyes. He's fucking legit great in it. Yep. Yep. absolutely brilliant and uh, yeah we get to discuss a little bit early Craven as well and we also can discuss why this movie for whatever reason compared to the other ones in Craven's catalogue did not make the list which you know made the tier 3 list yet his movie before that Hills uh, not Hills of Idol um, Last House on the Left is on the list with a fucking bullet you would have thought if you were a censor who was censoring movies and you found that the movie that you know, the poster child, the poster boy for the video nasties list is Last House on the Left. It's one of the big controversial three titles. Why you would right. put the director's follow-up movie, you know, like by proxy, if you were not really paying attention, you would just chop that movie right in with it. But for whatever reason, they don't. Um, so we will get into that. We will get into that. Uh, but I'm really interested to see what you make of Mark of the Devil, because I happen to really like it. I think it's a gnarly little bit of German cinema, so it's going to be fun. Sweet. Gonna be Sweet. Going to be fun. Now, Mark, um, as always, you have cool stuff online. You're always keeping busy. Where can people check out your cool shit? Uh, all the cool photography stuff, and I'm starting to do a little bit more stop motion stuff. That's on the Instagrams. That's fancy underscore Mark. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I like to yell at politicians, and I occasionally get banned for saying terrible things. That's uh, the fancy mark. Uh, Letterboxd, uh, I've been trying to keep up with. I'll, I'll add these two movies or update these two movies once this episode drops and keep kind of doing it that way. That's uh, fancy underscore mark. And I think that's about it. Sometimes I post in the Doing the Nasty Facebook group. Uh, go over there and join. Uh, that's also where I post some uh, links to these hard, some of these harder to find ones. I won't bother with stuff like Phantasm and yeah, Hills Have Eyes is pretty readily available. I think it might be on Shutter in the States. So, I mean, oh, yeah, Hills Have uh, Eyes just got an amazing release by Arrow last year. I think it was yeah. Last year. So, yeah, you can you can get that movie. It's out there. Get yourself the Arrow channel uh, if you have it available to you. I don't know what it's like in the States, but in the UK, you can get like seven days free on that one. And Hills Have Eyes is definitely on there. So, right. And it's immaculate. It's, it's the fucking incredible memory serves 2k restoration of that movie and it's never looked any cleaner so yeah but yeah there there is a you in case you didn't see it in the facebook group or whatever there is a youtube playlist that i've been slowly adding to that's got all of the all of the harder to find shit on here um you can find me on youtube i'm pretty sure it's fancy space mark uh, and it's in my playlist thing under video nasties. I might start um, putting that actually in the show notes as well, just a link to that playlist as well, so people yeah. can jump in there and check it out. I think that's probably a good idea. If if I mean if you really want to subject yourself to something like honeymoon <laughs> horror, or the love butcher, God knows why, but uh, yeah, they're they're out there and they're 
they're they're accessible to a degree so yeah. yes they are out there that feels both like guidance <laughs> and a warning um, so, <laughs> right uh, we're, we're going to close this up for another episode we are back at the end of march we're going to be doing episode number three we're going to be looking at the hills of lies mark of the devil i'm really looking forward to that but until then mark do you want to say goodbye to our listeners Goodbye, listeners. Stay nasty. Uh, be nice to women. Don't make incel rape fantasy movies. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that, except yes, what he said. <laughs> and this is Duncan from Doing the Nasty, and we'll speak to you next time. Ah. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.